0: Seeing him at the door was um, it's what I waited for for <laughs> <the time. laughs> Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine 90 Day Fiance Edition. I have to admit, I feel like I don't really want to talk about 90 Day Happily Ever After. Were there any really truly dynamic parts? I mean, ugh. Um, Colty. <laughs> Colty and Jess, and they're like just open conversations about sex. Like, ugh. For cold to tell his mother Could you imagine Telling your mother That I got a different hotel room Because Jess My partner's really loud in bed Pardon? Why would you tell your mother that? De- Debbie has gone into like Full Don Corleone From the Godfather mode With Jess Being a little bit Well not even a little bit Just like pretty racist like oh you must be like the last Brazilian that was in his life and I just have questions about you wanting to have an American citizenship and marry my son because he can give you that because that's what happened last time and she was Brazilian and now you're Brazilian and so I have questions I don't like that I it's so reductive (laughs) it's like just weird I mean I I don't get the sense that, like, Jess is dying to... Do I think that Jess is using cult to be on TV? Yes. I believe that more than I believe she wants to be an American citizen, frankly. I think she likes the fame more more than her desire to be American. Um, because, frankly, I, I am not seeing any things about cult that are really, like... Attractive to me. I I, ugh, I don't get it. Um, what else happened on Happily Ever After? Oh, um, Lo, Kalani's father, had a conversation with Asuelu about... Um, basically, like, if you don't get your ass in line, I will get it in line for you. And I loved that Asuelu was like, oh, well, okay, I'm terrified, so I will apologize to your daughter slash my wife because i know that you could beat my ass i know that you want to beat my ass and i don't want you to beat my ass so so i i feel bad i'm scared and i I will apologize i feel like those are the real like the only two things about um oh angela angela freaked the fuck out because michael had her come talk to some expats some people who had lived in america but they had dual citizenship and now they all live they choose to live in nigeria and i she flipped out as soon as she saw that it was three women and not the three men that she was expecting she flips out she says we're not getting married um I don't want to talk to you. Take me back to my house or our apartment or whatever. Um, yikes. I don't understand what it is about women in Michael's life that is so triggering for her. But I also think it's very funny that he he knows this about her at this point. He knows not to bring around any women. He knows that it's a trigger for her, and yet he does it anyway, and it's so funny to me. (laughs) That's a terrible thing to say, right? But, like, it genuinely is funny. (laughs) Because then he's like, oh, baby, come back. Like, you know, I I don't know what he's thinking. Like, I'm going to bring these three beautiful women around when last season, Angela said she didn't want to get married to me because she saw a woman in the background of a picture that I took, (laughs) like, standing 10 feet away from me, and our our wedding was over. Um, Yeah, okay. Andre and Elizabeth get these people off of my television. Both of them are horrible, but I'm on the side of Elizabeth because I think she does shitty things as a reaction to his shitty behavior and a way to it's like a means to get the power back in her relationship Andre they're in Moldova and he is wild now he is like the first season that we saw them on their show on 90 Day Fiancé and he sucks it's like going back to Moldova has given him like bigger balls and now he's like a complete he's completely misogynistic while also being like a loser who doesn't work he does not translate things to her that he's the conversations that he's having with his family and his friends he is not translating it in a way where it makes sense to her. Like, he's saying things... He's skewing what is being said to his advantage. And that I think that's really, really gross. Um, I... There was a conversation about... It, it's very clear that Moldova has very conservative values. They have very, quote-unquote, traditional values in the terms of, like, a man and a woman's role in marriage and in the home. And he... There was a conversation that they went out to dinner with Andre's brother and sister-in-law, and they're talking about how you know you guys have like a really strange relationship to us because you're Andre or like Johnny Big Balls, but you also don't have a job. And you're a stay-at-home father. And that's very counter to what we're used to. So, like, what's up with that? And he basically says that, like, Elizabeth encouraged him to stay home. Like, she wants to be the one who works and have him stay home. And I don't think that that's true at all. I think it's very clear that she has issues with the fact that, like, he is trying to be the, quote, leader of the home. But also has no ambition whatsoever. And... Um, his brother's wife makes a comment of, you know, the tradi- you know, the quote of like, <clears throat> the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And she says, like, you know, basically, even though he's head, the, the neck puts you in the right direction. And I feel like Libby is directing you in like a weird place of like working, not, you know, like being a stay at home dad. And... His translation to Libby is, um, the man is the brain and the woman is the neck and the brain directs where the neck goes. That's not the saying, sir. (laughs) That's not how it goes. Um, it was very clear that his, his, um, his friends think that it's weird that he stays at home. They don't like the person that he's become. Andre seems to be under the assumption that, like, Libby's family are, like, the Rockefellers. And he is now, like, married into some wealthy family where he doesn't have to work. And, no. <laughs> like, her, it, it seems like her dad does fine, financially. And it seems like the daughters have married, her sisters have married... Men that do fine financially, but this doesn't translate into you not working, (laughs) Andre. Like, if Libby has to work and she's working for her father, then that should let you know that, like, you should maybe work too. I think it's a combination of the fact that they do well for themselves, her family, her dad, and the fact that he's on the show. I think he just doesn't feel motivated to do anything, and I think that's okay if you want to be a stay-at-home dad like do you but like also you need to if she's a breadwinner then you need to give her more respect as to the run of the house if she's expected to when she gets home from work be like the full-time caretaker of your daughter then she's got more sway than you sorry (laughs) like couples should be equal but like you're not pulling your weight so if you're not going to do that then the natural um hierarchy here would be that she would have a little bit more sway because she's bringing in money she's brought you into this country you're living on her dime and she's also raising your child when she gets home so he has zero respect for her. Honestly, I truly don't even see what they like about each other. I think they laughed at some point this episode, but that is very uncommon for their relationship. There was one point where they went to go look at venues for their wedding and they find one that she really likes and they're trying out food and she, like, like touches his waist and he's like, Stop. Like he doesn't even let her touch him, so like it's not even like, oh, they don't seem to respect each other as humans, but at least they're like hot for each other, like he won't even let her touch him in a way that's like slightly romantic and I think he thinks of it as like oh if i if I let her like cuddle me, then let that makes me less of a man or whatever. I, it's just all very strange. I I don't like it. I have questions about Ericie and Larissa and their relationship. I don't want to speculate, but I also don't see much sexual tension between them either. Like I I don't think that Eric e is attracted to her. Who he might be attracted to is none of my business, but I do not think that he's attracted to the person that he's filming television with. I will just say that. And uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I I, don't, I was about to say, like, I really want the best for Larissa, but, like, I, I don't care. I don't care about <laughs> Larissa that much. So anyway, with that, let's get into 90 Day the other way. Starting off with Jenny and Sumit, they finally get what Jenny has been asking for this whole time, which is a visit to the lawyer's office. The lawyer's name is Nareh. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's N-A-R-E-H. So he tells them that basically everything's fine. Sumit has been saying, you know, like I really learned my lesson from lying to Jenny last time she was here. I'm not going to do it again. Even though I find it very annoying that she keeps pressuring me. On the other hand, like, I get it. And I'm finally going to, like, prove to her. So, according to the attorney, there things are running smoothly. Um, He starts off by saying, you know, like, I don't think this is any different from American. But then there are some differences. Like, first he starts off by saying, like, you know if people don't aren't really good at getting along if the exes aren't getting along and they're not making, you know, they're not on the same page with each other then that can make the divorce go longer the proceedings go longer but everything's fine they're in agreement and they are on track to finish up you know basically like they're in the first step of the motion but in 5 months Everything should be fine, and then they can move to step two. All good. There is a little issue moving forward in terms of Jenny getting married to him, which is that, you know, when they apply to say that they want to get married, there is a. And I guess I wanna say it's kinda of like a like a marriage decree. Like an announcement has to be made about their intentions to get married for each other. And this is where it varies in terms of like India versus America. So the decree will be sent to Sumit's permanent address, i.e. his family's home, and if they don't agree to the marriage, then they cannot get married. <laughs> Jenny <laughs> Jennifer. Jenny drops a bomb that says well, there's really nothing that they can object to except for the fact that I took his virginity, but that's not against the rules. <laughs> Jenny, little minx. Um, they get to meet up with some more friends. They believe like they're going to be meeting up with Smeets' friends and like they're both married so she was going to meet the wives and she's so excited and Like, oh, I want to talk to them about, like, current Indian fashion. You know, like, this is really my time to, like, kind of widen my um, ecosystem and really get to know people and make friends. Poor thing. This really made me sad for her because when they get there, it's just the husbands. And one of his friends says, my my wife didn't want to show up because she doesn't approve of this relationship. First of all, it's worth mentioning that when they walk up, one of the guys says, they just like, basically they don't look right together. And when they hold hands, it looks like a grandma and a grandson. (laughs) That's sad. (laughs) That's really sad. So anyway, the first guy's wife didn't approve, doesn't approve of Jenny and Smith's relationship. So she didn't want to come. So the second guy says, well, oh, my wife wasn't feeling well. Which feels like bullshit, right? And they asked Jenny, like, did you believe that the wife is sick? She's like, no, I don't. She's like, I think, you know, like, it makes me feel bad. And I I feel sad that they don't want to meet me. But I've always been of the mindset that, like, anybody who doesn't approve of us can stay away from us. I'd rather them do that than, like, be in my face being rude. Um. And the guys say that they think that Jenny's a good person, but, like, at the end of the day, they're Indian. You guys live in India. We have our our culture and our ways of living, and this is, like, a weird look. It could potentially affect how other people view Samit's family. And it's going to potentially damage the, the, like, dignity of the family, and that's very important in Indian culture. And Jenny's really concerned about that. She's like, you know, it could be to the point where it's so damaging to his family that he just decides that it's not even worth going through getting married to her. And I just feel very nervous about that. Okay, now let's go to Tim and Melissa. It's 4 a.m., G6 packing up his emotional support cat Pepe into the carrier so they can head on to Colombia. Um that's basically I think all we really saw of Tim is just him like going to the airport. We most of the scenes of them are of finally us meeting 29-year-old marketing consultant Melissa, which is Spanish for way out of Tim's League. She came to America at 20 to be more independent. Um, She said she really wasn't looking to date anybody, but then, you know, unfortunately for her, she met met Tim. She makes it clear that, like, how do we say this? Um, You know, that, like, pasteurized white American craft singles aren't really her type, if you know what I'm saying, but Tim was really nice, and he really kind of, like, opened her mind and her heart up. She says that she's pretty reserved, and sometimes that can come off to people like she's like kind of a bitch, but that he really like helped her with that, showed her a whole new world, helped her to open up more great um like we heard from Tim, basically he cheated on her weeks before. She was supposed to come back to America, because she was there on a work visa, being a, an au pair. She, The plan was for her to come back to America for six months, and that would be their time to work on the relationship, to hopefully get engaged, to, like, build a life for each other, like, realize, you know, move in and, and figure out what real life was going to look for like for them hopefully get engaged, and then she could come back on the K-1 visa. She didn't, she gets to America for that six-month stay, and she's like, I just knew something was off, and then she was able to figure out that he actually cheated on her. And, yeah, you know, it's, it wasn't good. She really does not trust him, but she says, you know, by the time I found out, I had, Basically, like, I invested years into my relationship with him. I really love him, and I just thought it was something that, like, we should attempt to work through, but it's going to take a lot of work. Um. So we see a scene where her mom does her hair, and we find out that her parents really liked Tim, and her dad still really likes Tim, But her dad still really likes Tim because he doesn't know that Tim cheated. Only her mom knows. Her mom is not into Tim at all. Doesn't trust him. She's like, it's great that he's coming down to live here. But honestly, I don't think this is a forever relationship for her. And I, you know, him coming down to Columbia is basically the least that he can do to try and restore any sort of, you know, faith in the relationship um yeah she's completely turned on him melissa refers to their relationship as contaminated and that they have a long road ahead of them but she's hopeful this seems hmm, not great not great you guys like i i think if you're getting to the point where you're referring to your relationship as contaminated then I think that's kind of all you need to know about maybe you should just let this go and I know it can be so hard when you're invested in somebody you've been with them for however long you love them and you would have still loved them the same way if they had not done this horrible thing to you but contaminated is a pretty harsh word for for your relationship and I think we all know where this is going I think we do let's move on to Kenny and Armando let's do that wow nice Yeah. yeah Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Armando is at the apartment and his cooking. He's got like vegetables and steak and the wine is flowing. And he is like talking about how nervous he is because Kenny is on his way. Like literally he'll be walking through those doors any minute. Kenny knocks on the door, and they hug, and they both tell each other, like, Oh, thank you for making my dream come true, and I love you. Very sweet. They go into the living room, and Armando shows Kenny this, like, big banner that he made, or had made for them. That was, like, welcome home, and it had, like, a little... This is very sweet. Like, a little cartoon drawing of Kenny and Armando and Hannah... And it was just really, really cute. Armando meets truffles and says, like, Oh, it's I'm your new papa. <laughs> Very sweet. They have their romantic dinner together. During the dinner, Kenny asks about Armando's father. And was like, Oh, how did it go saying goodbye? And he was like, Well, my dad wasn't even there. He was like, I think he was just like, it was too difficult for him to say goodbye to me and to see me leave. And Armando, or excuse me, Kenny kind of challenges on that. And he's like, well, do you think that that's the real reason why he didn't show up? Or do you think it's just because he does not approve of our relationship? And then Kenny's like really nervous about, you know, they're like a week out from having to go back to pick Hannah up. And he's just nervous about how that interaction is going to go. Um, Then we get... Unfortunately, kind of my first little inkling that I don't really love Mr. Kenny so much. I, he starts to, like, kind of look around the apartment, which is, seems, like, very big and beautiful. Armando tells him about how the hot water went out and how they had to get a propane tank to fix it. And Kenny is like, you know, and I noticed there's no central air, there's no central heating, Um, you know, we picked out this apartment together, but I guess I just didn't really think those, you know, take that into consideration. And then they talk about Armando saying like, oh, I went to the grocery store earlier and I asked about the bank and it's like 30 or 40 minutes away from our place. And Kenny's like, oh, basically like, girl, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, Kenny, you might want to, uh, you know, <laughs> thank you. Thank your Lucky stars that you're not Ariella because I know you're asked to be back on a, on a plane. If, if you had to be in her living situation, like you, you've got it real good here, Kenny. And I, I would zip your lips from complaining here. Unfortunately, it does not get any better. The next day they go out, and Kenny has a lot of culture shock. At one point he says, like, oh, I guess I just, like, when I came here to visit, I was in vacation mode, and I had, like, rose-colored glasses on, and now that I'm here, and I'm living here, and there's really, you know, like, this is my real life, I'm really seeing how different my life is going to be. Kenny's a germaphobe, and he's very particular about a lot of things, and he's very used to his American life, but it comes off as, like, really culturally insensitive, bordering on racist. and he's, like, they're walking around town, there's a guy, like, a street vendor who sells, like, candies and dried fruits and stuff, and it's not... Like it's just kind of like an open, like box, of candies and and sweets and stuff. And Kenny's like, Ugh, is there like dust on the candy? <laughs> and Amara's like, no, there's not dust. People wash their hands here. Like it's fine. You're you're gonna be fine. Kenny's critical of they, you know, like he doesn't understand that. Like yeah, your American dollar works here and this is where i was like kenny are you okay <laughs> so they go into like basically like a like a bodega like a corner store kind of situation and kenny is like mm, like he's being really particular and it's like I- i'll just get a bottle of water so he didn't realize it didn't occur to him until just then that like yeah you can give your american dollar but you're gonna get pesos back and so Armada is trying to explain to him, like, okay, one American dollar is 18 pesos, so your bottle of water is 15 pesos. You gave her a dollar, which is 18 pesos, so you're going to get three pesos back. 18 minus 15 is three. Kenny <laughs> act like he didn't understand that. Like, it's just simple arithmetic. It's not... He, he, there's nothing... Difficult about this Kenny um, So yeah he. It occurs to Kenny that like He doesn't really speak Spanish They don't live In like a high tourist like Beach town so you can't really Expect The people to know English You don't really know Spanish that well so now you're Going to be really dependent on Armando For basically everything. They go down. To a restaurant. And Kenny goes. What kind of food is this? And I'm honestly. It's Mexican food. (laughs) To the point where there's a guy. Who looks American. But I mean he he spoke English fluently. He was another customer of the restaurant. And he obviously. Overheard the conversation. And he yells over to Kenny. What did you think this was? Like, did you think you were going to be sitting down in an Italian restaurant? And Kenny's like, well, no, but I i guess I just didn't expect, like, in <laughs> Mexico, my guy, like, it, and you're in a small town in Mexico, so it's not like, the likelihood of you sitting down at, like, a Thai food restaurant is very, very small, So, <laughs> Maybe you need to think about that. Um... I just... Then he goes on to say, like, this is a town that he would avoid in the States, but now he lives there. And I don't like that he said that. Like, he's basically saying, like, this is ghetto. This is poor. This is, like, beneath me. But now I'm just, like, stuck having to live here. And the place was clearly very different, but... what Google... Does anybody Google? <laughs> like, I, I'm not even going to go to a different county for like vacation unless I'm googling what the what things are like. You know, like I don't get it. I I really have to wonder. Like, do they? Do, does production get in their ear and say, "Just pretend like you don't really know what you're getting yourself into"? Because at this point, it's ridiculous that you would step into that you would leave, I mean, are Americans really that coddled? I mean, yes, we are that coddled. But, like, at some point you have to understand that we are very spoiled and other countries are not like that. So do Americans as a whole really have their blinders on that much? To think that, like, we are going to be living the same standard of living as we... (laughs) <laughs> I'm saying this wrong. That when we leave the country, that we're going to be living in the same standard as that we're accustomed to. Like, do people really genuinely think that? Like, that's very strange. Like, if anything, we're very where we-, we should be very aware. Especially as you living in Florida, you should be pretty aware about Mexican culture, sir, and Latin American culture, and how they, you know. Their standards are different from ours. And their way of living is a lot more simple and a lot less spoiled. They work harder. Yeah, you you can't just switch all your bills to online bill pay. That you're going to have to go to, you know, the local store, pay your cable, pay your internet. You know, things are just different. And that's okay. It doesn't make them worse. It just makes it different. <sighs> I I don't know. I'm, I'm. The cracks are beginning to show with them. And I feel really bad for Armando because I think he's. It's going to translate into him feeling like he is failing Kenny. Because Kenny is going to be upset about how his life is going to be different. But I'm also very curious. Like now that we know that the mother's deceased I'm really wondering why it was that they couldn't just move to America maybe it's because of our current government Hmm, yeah maybe that's why anyway um, let's move to I want to end on Jihun and Devin so let's go to Brittany and Yazan we get back to them Post, well, still mid-fight with his parents, Brittany's ranting and raving in the hallway about, like, oh, I'm not good enough, and I'm not Muslim enough for Yazan, and then she runs to the car to start crying. Yazan follows her and asks, like, what can I do? And, you know, like, he basically says, like, she doesn't see how she acts and how she comes across to her, to his family. Yazan says that she was being insolent (laughs) and that basically she embarrassed him in front of his parents. Um, Brittany says that she feels like she's in the middle of the ocean drowning and, and you don't understand. Like I'm out here all by myself and you're my only family and you're my only support and your parents are yelling at me. And I just feel very alone right now. I feel very attacked and They keep arguing back and forth. Like, the Brittany and Yazan show is just them screaming in his car while he drives. (laughs) It's it's a a really big theme with them. Um, But Yazan is making very good points. And I know that Yazan is not a good person. But Brittany makes it so much worse. And she is manipulative as fuck. And I don't like to say that about women. Generally, I'm always on a woman's side. But she is manipulating the situation to her... Trying to, to her advantage. And she's flipping the fuck out. Yes, because they're yelling... His parents are yelling at him... Her. And she doesn't know what they're saying. But the tone... They're yelling because they're... They're catching up to something in the milk not being clean with her she's not being honest and it goes beyond just like their cultural differences it's we think that you're not telling the truth about your life and your situation and i think you're wasting our son's time which is completely fair for his parents to get upset about she's making it all about their cultural differences and and how she's american and she shouldn't be expected to be a good muslim wife quote-unquote And they don't understand her and that they're being so mean to her. I don't like that. I don't like the idea that, like, Muslim people, people who practice the Islamic faith, are, like, so evil and destructive. I don't like that. It's very Islamophobic. And she's using it to her advantage to mask the fact that she is lying to them, she's not telling the truth and she is wasting essence's time she is and because she's still married and she didn't even consider the fact that maybe she should if you're not remembering that you're married to somebody that should let you know that you're not ready to be married <laughs> right? <laughs> that it it didn't even occur to you that you knew the first time you went over to Jordan and you admitted that you had this whole conversation with them about how you intended on getting a divorce and that everything would be fine by the time you came back. Everything would be smooth sailing and now you want to act like it's all their fault and that they're putting too much pressure on you when you knew what the What the deal was. And if you knew that it was going to take you six months, then you should have changed your flight. Or you should have changed your mind about getting married to him completely. And there are another couple, like Lizzie, Libby and Andre, where I'm like, I don't really see what it is that they see in each other and what they like in each other, because so far all we see is yelling and crying (laughs) and not them actually getting along or having anything in common um so like I said we're in the car she's screaming and Brittany's like they're trying to force me into a situation blah 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 and like why couldn't can't they just wait for my family to come and Yazan's like well it's one thing if we're talking one or two weeks here but you're saying it's now going to be months and months until your family can come. That they're not going to be here until January. She is still lying and saying like, oh, they could be here in three or four months. But you're still not going to be divorced at that point, young lady. So, <laughs> once we get to December, I feel like, oh, it's going to turn into April. Right? Um. So, he's like, it's one thing for you to say a couple weeks, but it's quite another for you to flip the script and say it's now going to be months and months and Brittany's like I told you that it was going to be January before they got there and he's like no you didn't you knew what the deal was and we know that she knows that because of all the reasons I just said like she knew all this she told us in the first couple episodes that she was fully aware of the fact that they expected her to get married as soon as she got to Jordan. She told us that. And so to act like you don't know anything and, like, these Muslim people are trying to pull the wool up from, you know, p- pull the wool over your eyes. is bullshit. Like, she she knew, that, knew this. We have this on record. Uh, it's so frustrating. So instead of you know like having to tell the truth she flips the fuck out screaming like "Ah, like, i don't understand i don't give us and it's like girl to the point where like she's flipping out to the point where Yasin has to pull over to the side of the road and be like whoa calm down calm down. She's like, nobody tells me anything! I, you know, like, she, I feel like she's completely innocent, and she's not. All of this, pro- e- all of these issues are because of her. She is done everything. It, it's crazy to me. Um, she's totally flipping out to defect, deflect from the fact that she's still married, something that she has yet to tell Yasmin. But, of course, we're only 24 hours into her being here, and it's always, it's been... And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. she said no no okay so Brittany keeps crying and i realized when she's crying that she's got fake nails and like between the nails and the braces that's another thing like you didn't realize what you got yourself into being in jordan right like i don't know what their their fake nail culture is but i i just feel like a lot of things were under were not planned okay that's just my truth Yazin says that they've been moving from one problem to another since she's been here, and it bothers him, but he's hoping that showing her the new apartment that they have is going to help. Lo and behold, the thing that took Brittany back from, like, you can't talk to your parents anymore, and I want to go back home and hyperventilating with a towel on her face, suddenly turns into unicorn and rainbows when he turns that key and sees that he got... Them like a really nice modern spacious big apartment. Oh, how the turntable there. She's real smiling now, so happy now that he gave her something. <sighs> Yasin's going into a speech about how like they love each other. They need to work on things. And honestly, I couldn't really pay attention because I'm so distracted by the fact she's still wearing this hijab and her left eyebrow. <laughs> has somehow gotten like tucked under the hijab and it's stuck there in like a permanent like like mm mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it hmm <laughs> that's what she looks like like <laughs> like a like an evil cartoon villain like oh <laughs> that eyebrow I don't know what is going on her brow bone really goes rogue on her in a way that is very delightful for me I probably wouldn't be laughing about it being stuck under hijab, her hijab if she was Muslim, but it's very clear that she doesn't want to be, so it's funny to me. Um, and also, she's just, like, a terrible person, so I have no problem making fun of her. Um, <clears throat> she manages to push it back down, push the eyebrow back down um, for her interview later, though. So good for her. Um, he Yasunov's obviously has to leave. He can't stay there because they're not married yet, but they basically... Um, come to the agreement that Yazan has an uncle, his dad's brother and they're going to try and talk to him because apparently he's very accustomed to western culture and is maybe a little bit more sensitive to where Brittany is coming from and they're hopeful that he can, if they talk to him that he will be able to talk to his dad and kind of like be able to smooth things over well we'll see we will see uh yeah and let's end it on Jihoon and Devin we didn't get to see any of Devin or Priscilla thank god um basically it's just like a whole long scene of Jihoon and his chicken finger looking dog that come back to his parents house and they both have their tails between their legs his mom's like, why are you here? You know, it's quite late. Like, why are you coming back to the apartment? And so Jihoon has to tell her that Devin left the apartment. She took the kids and her mom to a hotel to clear their heads. And he admits to her, that his mom, that he lied about how much money he had And said that he was prepared to have them back. And basically how he's been really irresponsible with his money. And he's been blowing it on like drinking and partying. And this woman, his mother, is wild, guys. She is wild. She goes, well, when you're young, you do that. Meaning like you lie and you party and you're irresponsible. And you should tell Devin that all Korean guys are like that. Honey, he's 30. (laughs) And then she goes on to say that a man will tell little white lies to get a woman, but it's not malicious. ma'am. a white lie is telling somebody that you like, that you like to watch cowboy movies from the 70s and then suffering in silence for months. Because now you have to watch them every time you guys hang out. And yes, this is a very specific example because it happened to me. A white lie is telling a guy that you like this band that is basically just like a rip-off of Portishead, except for he's not British, he's an Italian-Irish guy from Texas. And again, yes, that is a very specific example because it happened to me. Those are white lies. Making a woman raise two kids on her own with no help from him and then having her keep flying them across the world to find out that you're basically going to be homeless in a month is pretty damn malicious to me. What she's saying is, like, she's totally taking the responsibility off of Jihoon to the point where even Jihoon has to be like, no, Mom, what I did is actually pretty serious and it seems like Devin's going to go home soon. Her response to Devin potentially going home is, so what, she's just going to leave because nothing's prepared? Like, Things get tough. How could she leave so easily? What? How could she leave so easily? How, how could your, your son get off his ass and get a job? How about that? How about that? who starts crying and says, you know, I'm 30. I have no money. I feel like a loser. I'm embarrassed about the debt that I got myself into and having to borrow money from you guys. His mom says, that basically, you need to start crying because men don't cry. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the only time she makes sense is when she says, he says, like, I, you know, he read her. It's like, I'm embarrassed to be in this situation. And she was like, well, if you don't want to be embarrassed, then maybe you shouldn't have done something so embarrassing. <laughs> Which, amen to you about that, sis. Like, yeah, if you didn't want to be in this situation, you shouldn't have done something illegal, to the point where you are not you were were in thirty thousand dollars worth of debt, got in trouble with the government, and now you want to talk about how embarrassed you are. Like, yeah, you should have been embarrassed to be doing all those things that led you to be embarrassed to begin with. Um, <sighs> she's just very strange, and I don't even think it's like she, <sighs> I hate to like call somebody a bad mom, but she's kind of being a bad mom, like. She's really justifying all his behavior as, like, small things and that all of this is on Devin. And I kind of, I understand the fact that she would have preferred Jihoon to marry a Korean woman. But that wouldn't change Jihoon. It wasn't going to make him a better husband. I think Devin is doing all that she can within the limitations of the fact that she's a 23-year-old girl with two kids and no help. I don't know about Drusilla's father, but Hun's not helping, and he had nothing prepared, like, to, to just be like, oh, well, she should just stay here in Korea, like, you put her in a position where she left everything behind. And now she has she's come here to nothing. You told her that she could be a stay-at-home mother and that you would take care of the finances. <sighs> it just really sucks. It really, really sucks. She does try to encourage him by saying like listen, you're only 30. You're not 70, it's not like you're in a position where you're too late, you're too old, and it's too late to turn things around, so, you know, if you, you, it seems like you're recognizing that you have an issue, and so, that's the first step, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so, like, you know, get to working, dude, like, basically, um, so yeah, I think that was the end of the episode. I'm. It, it looks like next week is going to be pretty explosive. Um, I want to issue a call to action to you guys. It, I want to have more guests on the ninety day side of things. I typically just do this on my own, but I think it's it it's fun to talk about this show with other people, and I have done it a couple times, and I would like to do it more. So, reach out to me, DM me, put it in the comments of podcasters, people that you think I should reach out to, whoever, to talk about 90 Day. If you know somebody that you see on Twitter who talks about 90 Day Fiance, but they don't or do have a podcast, like, uh, you know, point me in the right direction. I, I would love to talk to more people about it. Um, yeah, you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Bye.